0: If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 892 Hebrews chapter 2, it says in the bold print in the New International Version from which I'm reading, warning to pay attention. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again he says, here I am and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful, And faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted let us pray our Heavenly Father thank you for your word thank you for the truth we have before us and please speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit and help us to apply these truths to our lives in Jesus name amen the title of this message is why we need to listen to jesus hebrews chapter 2 speaks of listening it says we must pay the most careful attention therefore to what we have heard can we be honest about listening to the lord and listening in general do we hear but not listen That is, we give mental assent, I heard what you said, but memory is absent, I didn't follow through, we didn't keep what was said ever before us, we let it slip to the side and become unimportant or out of sight, out of mind. Do we acknowledge but not follow through? We have intention without retention. Oh Lord, yes, I'll obey you, yes Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go but then we don't follow through. We don't do what God asked us to do. Do we believe but not keep on trusting? Feeble faith fails when tested, but trusting faith grows when tested. Do we have a feeble faith or a growing faith? Do we say, yes, I believe, or yes, one time I received Jesus, but then we don't keep on trusting? Or when the storms come, we start doubting? The Lord wants us to hang on to him for dear life. He wants us to listen to him. He wants us to obey him. Someone said in the past, read my lips. The simple command here, the warning here, is that we are to pay most careful attention to what we have heard. The first part of this equation is, We've got to hear it accurately if we're going to obey it properly. So we have to read the Lord's lips. We need to understand what the Lord is saying and then obey it by keeping it ever in front of us as priority and um, applying it. In two words, we need to focus and we need to follow through. That is what is entailed in listening. And paying attention. Paying attention is hard work because it requires discipline, the discipline of actually listening with our heart and storing it in our heart as well as in following through. Now, why is it important for us to listen to the Lord? Number one, to prevent the erosion of our faith. It says in Hebrews 2 verse 1, the latter part, so that we do not drift away. Does anyone have in their mind a good example of erosion? Given the rainstorms that we've had, we know of landslides. Why do landslides occur? Because the plantings are minimal or non-existent that hold the soil together. And because of that lack of a root system, it goes to the side. It slides down. So the storms of life reveal the weak spots in your life where you are not holding together because you don't have a strong enough root system reaching out and holding on to the truth of God's word. You will slip slide away. Slip slide away. Here it says, drift away. A boat that has slipped away from its moorings is drifting away from the safe harbor into the treacherous sea with its waves. And it says in Ephesians 4, 14-15, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love or truthing it in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So we are vulnerable if we do not root ourselves in the truth. Jesus said in Matthew 7, the end of his Sermon on the Mount, that there were two men a foolish man who built his house on the sand and a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rock represents his teaching. So if you don't build your life on the teaching of Christ and don't listen to him, it's like building your house on the sand. And when the great storm comes, great is the destruction of that house. But the person who builds their house on the rock of the truth that Jesus teaches, the same storm comes but the house remains standing. This is why it's so important to pay attention to the Lord. Did you know that this is the first of five warnings in the book of Hebrews with regards to our paying attention to the word? Here in chapter two, verses one to four, do not neglect the word. In chapter three, seven to 19, don't harden your heart towards the word. In five, 11 to 14, don't become deaf to the word. In 10, 26 to 39, don't defy the word. And in 12, 14 to 19, don't disobey the word deliberately. You can see almost a digression here or a a downward uh, spiral. When a person neglects the word, they harden their hearts to the word, they become deaf to the word, they defy the word, and then they disobey the word deliberately. So don't slip, slide away. Pay attention so that you can prevent erosion of your faith the second reason we are to listen to Jesus is to build our faith on the sure foundation of God's Word to build our faith on the sure foundation here it says in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 2 to 4 for since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation this is an argument from lesser to greater if the angels delivered the law to moses as it says in galatians 3 19 and that was binding there was consequences and penalties for disobeying the law how much more will a person experience penalty and consequences if they ignore the gospel of grace presented by Jesus. So here's the law, which was serious. Here's the gospel that you are saved, not by works, but by faith in Christ, which is more serious. Don't neglect it. You can't pay for your own sins. Jesus paid for your sins. Trust in him for your salvation alone. And that brings up The Reformation, in my mind, during the time of Reformation, the Catholic Church was so off-base that Martin Luther came up with five correctives that put the church on biblical center. And those five were the Word alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, for God's glory alone that really summarizes the Bible's teaching about our salvation. That it's based on the Bible. It's through faith in Christ alone, not by works. It's by the grace of God that we're saved. And it's in Christ who is our Savior, and it's for God's glory. And let me say at this point that when someone says, how can you say that Jesus is the only way to God? Aren't there many roads that lead up to the mountain, to the mountaintop to God? I mean, somebody has their faith, you have your faith. Why can't we say they all lead up to the mountaintop? That's good for you, and this is good for me. I'll tell you why. Number one, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me? Jesus said that. Not some bigoted, intolerant Christian, Jesus, the Son of God, who's fully God and fully human, said that, and he knows. So when we say we're quoting Jesus, we're not saying it because we want to say we're the only religion, and we're the right religion, and the true religion, we're quoting Jesus. And Jesus said, this is true, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by, through me. Secondly, in order to provide a way to the Father, we needed A uniquely qualified Savior and in what way is Jesus uniquely qualified to save you and me number one he's fully God number two he became fully human so he had to be fully human in order to represent you and me but he had to be fully God to completely obey all righteousness and give his sinless, perfect life as a sacrifice for our sin. Does that make sense? That because he's God-man, he's uniquely qualified to be our Savior, to represent us in our humanity, and to be the perfect sacrifice in his divinity. That's why we say there's one way to God. And that's Jesus. And this message was first announced by the Lord, as it says in Hebrews 2, 2 2-4. And it was confirmed to us by those who heard him, which would be the apostles. And God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So how do we know that this message is true? Number one. Jesus told us. Number two, the apostles told us. Number three, God confirmed it with supernatural signs and wonders and miracles that validated and authenticated that this is from him. So we have the message confirmed. We have the message validated. Why should we listen? Because this is the sure foundation to build our lives on. No other foundation you can find in life is big enough to build your life on can you build your life on your money it only goes so far can you build it on your looks oh well that already went Can you build it on your personality no the only foundation big enough for us to build our lives on for this life and the life to come is the word of god and faith in jesus christ as the god man as our savior and lord If you ignore Jesus, if you ignore the word, it's to your eternal peril. That's the warning that the writer of Hebrews is giving. The third reason we should listen to Jesus to prevent erosion of our faith and to build our faith on a sure foundation is that when we listen to Jesus, we see Jesus for what he did for us. Notice it says in Hebrews 2.9, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. This is preceded by a quote from Psalm 8. I'll begin at verse 5 of chapter 2 of Hebrews 2. It is not to angels that he subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of him, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor, and you put everything under their feet. That's a quote from Psalm 8, verses 4 to 6. In putting everything under them, the writer of Hebrews continues, God left nothing that is not subject to them, yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. In other words, who's greater, angels or humans? The answer in Psalm 8 is angels, because we were made a little lower than the angels, right? Now, that was temporary because God wants us to be crowned with glory and rule the universe. But we have failed miserably. We have polluted the earth. We have destroyed everything around us that we touch. We're terrible managers of what we have. But we see Jesus. Jesus is the last Adam. Jesus is the perfect man. Jesus is. Succeeded where we failed. He was was made a little lower than the angels, meaning he was made human. But he was made human to fulfill all righteousness, to do it right, so that all who trust in him will be glorified and crowned with honor and will run things and be in charge and be greater than the angels. But we needed Jesus to be the pioneer of our faith and salvation, the forerunner, because only he could get us victory. We in ourselves fail and fall short miserably, but we see Jesus. Does this remind you of anything the writer of Hebrews is going to say? Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, of your faith so Jesus by being made lower than the angels you would think in the Hebrew author's argument that Jesus is greater than the angels he just blew it because he said Jesus became a little lower than the angels wait i just thought in chapter one you said he's greater than all the angels why are you saying he's a little lower than the angels wait a second he became a little lower than the angels To fulfill a mission that makes him more important than all the angels. And what is the mission that Jesus fulfilled for you and for me? He suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for all of us. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he was on that cross for six hours. The first three hours, suffering and agony and pain and mocking The last three hours, supernatural darkness. And I believe Jesus was experiencing hell itself for you and for me. He tasted of eternal death for all of us in our place so we could be forgiven and we could go to heaven and not hell. That's what Jesus did. That's what makes him greater Than all the angels. He's Savior, and he's Lord. But it doesn't stop there. We see in verses 14 and 15, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You see, Satan thought he won, when he got Jesus on the cross. Ah, good riddance for him. But no, he didn't realize Jesus giving his sinless, perfect life as a sacrifice for our sins would provide forgiveness for us and would snatch out of the hands of the devil the keys of death. Jesus is victor. Jesus has taken away the sting of death. And because of that, we don't need to be afraid of dying. Because we're not going to hell, we're going to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. We praise God for our pioneer who has busted through the grave and made a way for us to experience this eternal life as he has defeated the devil. And it doesn't stop there. Because it says in verse 17, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of people. The word atonement, you could remember it by at-one-ment. Two parties that were estranged and not talking to each other are made at-one again. So a holy God and sinful man were estranged from one another, but Jesus, by Shedding his blood made atonement so that we are at one again. We have fellowship and a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has paid for our sin in full. The atonement of our sins has been done by our Lord. And now, because he shared in our humanity and he knows everything we've ever been through, He has become our merciful and faithful high priest. Isn't this beautiful? Open your eyes. See what Jesus has done. He's provided salvation. He's provided sanctification because it says in verse 11, both the one who makes people holy, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. So he's provided salvation. And sanctification and he comforts those who are suffering and struggling because he understands what you're going through he became like you and me in every way without sin without sin and the writer of Hebrews is going to develop this as you know in chapter 4 so we see Jesus for what he did for us fully human did you notice how many times it's said in this chapter had to become like us. He had to be human, fully human, and go through all that we've gone through, including suffering, in order to represent us, in order to understand us, in order to minister to us. Aren't you thankful Jesus became fully human? Aren't you thankful that he's a fellow brother? Because he says here in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy <clears throat> are of the fa- same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And he quotes Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two: I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. And also in Isaiah eight, eighteen: here I am and the children God has given me. So Jesus becomes human and calls us brothers and sisters. We are part of God's forever family. We are king's kids together. He's our fellow brother. And then he's our faithful sufferer. In verse 9, it talks about how he suffered death. In verse 10, it says how he um, was made the pioneer of our salvation through what he suffered. By the way, the word pioneer means chief. He has become the leader, the chief person who has foraged and and broken through on our behalf so that we could have salvation. And the only way he could do that was by staying faithful through all he went through. The temptations of the devil, the mockings of people, the torturous uh, treatment he experienced and the crucifixion on the cross. Jesus remained faithful so he could show us the way through struggles, and suffering on how we could remain faithful. This is very important to the people who are reading or hearing the book of Hebrews because they're going through a time of persecution. They are suffering. They are struggling. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, focus on Jesus. See Jesus, the faithful sufferer. And that leads us to our last point. Why should we listen to Jesus? Because we need to rely upon Jesus for comforting help. Verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, <clears throat> he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now again, he's going to develop this in chapter 4, the sympathetic high priest. But right now in chapter 2, I think he's made his case pretty clear, hasn't he? He shared in our humanity, so he knows the ups and downs of being human. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to go through trials. And he remained faithful. And with that understanding, with that empathy, with that sympathy, he comes alongside of you by his Holy Spirit and he helps you face whatever you're going through. He understands. He is the only one who could say to you, I know your pain and mean it. A lot of people can't say that. They haven't walked in your shoes. They haven't gone through what you've gone through. Jesus has gone through everything you've ever faced and are going through or will ever go through. And you can rely upon him for his all-sufficient grace, no matter what thorns in the flesh you have, no matter what persecution you're experiencing, no matter what doubts and troubles and Temptations are plaguing you. Rely upon Jesus. He's a pioneer. You know, I picture a pioneer going through the jungles with um, a machete. Okay? This is a path where there is no path. But the forerunner is taking the machete and he's chopping those things down and you're following after him. Where do I go? How are we going to get through there? Follow me. And he makes the path. You know, I, I went, uh, um, what's that called? Cross-country skiing uh, in Almanor when the snow was five feet tall. I've never gone cross-country skiing before. And so I rented some skis, and an experienced guy, my friend, was going ahead of me. So basically, we're riding on top of this five-foot thing of snow, and if you went the wrong way and you fell sideways, you just kind of got buried. And I'd have to have my friend pull me out. The only saving grace for me was that he was experienced and he was good, and he made the rut. He made the path for my skis to be in. And if it wasn't for him having those ski ruts for me to be in, I'd be in a snow drift. I'd be buried under all that snow. I'd be in big trouble. He was my pioneer. He was my chief. He was my forerunner. And I had to keep my eyes on him to get through the storm in cross-country skiing to safely survive. That's the picture The writer of Hebrews is giving us, fix your eyes on Jesus, rely upon him, and he'll get you to the other side. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521.